I'd just like to let everybody know before we start the podcast, there may be the odd swear word during fighting on the inside. Also, some of the subjects that we cover, especially those surrounding mental health, some people may be affected by these conversations. If you are, then you can find information and help in the show notes. But please, other than that, enjoy the show. So another massive shout out to our big sponsor, Mangata. Any companies or small businesses, large businesses out there looking for payroll, look no further. With 20 years of UK and global payroll experience, you'll be incredibly good hands. They've got very competitive margins and very, very easy to set up for agencies and candidates. And once a candidate has been referred, they will be contacted within 30 minutes. You really can't ask for much more. So you know what to do. Go down to the description, click on their website to check them out. It's mangatapayuk.com. And thank you so much to Mangata for sponsoring this podcast. everybody and welcome back to another episode of fighting on the inside as always i need to say a massive thank you to our sponsors mangata real power of one and wow hydrate without these guys we couldn't be doing what we're doing and as you know this podcast is all in aid of anti-knife crime charity gloves up knives down so if you see us shivering during this episode or hear us you guys listening at home it's because unfortunately today the studio's heating has decided to turn off so me and Johnny could only cuddle for so long. <laughs> I'm trying to stand out like I'm not cold. <laughs> Luckily, our guest today is wearing a hoodie. Um, we have the awesome Craig Richards, Craig the Spider, on with us today. So Craig, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Good man, good man. Just With fortunate the... I brought my jumper. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's it. Rub it in. Rub it in. <laughs> We've got any sponsors who will pay a heat in. It's going to say. Yeah, we shouldn't uh, give too much to the charity, have we? We can pay our heating bills. That's how generous we are on this show. Right, Craig, first question, mate. I mean, I'd like to know, where'd the spider come from? Well, what happened is I kept sparring in the gym. I was hitting everyone from shot selection from everywhere. So a few people said, it feels like a... He's hitting me from everywhere. He's got more than two arms. Yeah. And he said, yeah, well, that's why we call him a spider. Because he hits you from everywhere, you're every so, angle. You are so tall for the weight, too. Yeah. That's like, I'm looking up and thinking, uh, it's a different breed. It's mental that I used to actually make super middleweight before. Wow. Jesus. But, How old were you then, last time you made super middleweight? Well, 2017. Five years, oh, years ago. ago. Yeah, so, so I was 27, you know? 32 now. 27, so you're fully grown. I mean, usually, you know, you hear about people ass, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can still... Because I know when you get older, it gets a bit harder to get the weight off. But 27, that, you should have been... The thing is, I think, like, I will, I'll take boxing very serious from mm. even before I even turned professional. Mm. So, I, like, my diet was very... I'm very, like, disciplined in terms of, like, I wouldn't even eat a chocolate bar. Yeah, but you, you look like you would naturally stay slim even if you didn't box. Yeah, but I'm I'm secretly at heart a foodie. So okay. I like my food, but... I love greedy bastards always say I'm a foodie. <laughs> no, but you know what? I'm greedy, but with my discipline, I eat a lot of food, but the right food. Yeah, okay. yeah, gotcha. So I know myself, I would blow up. What's your weakness? What I have to resist is a little cake with my tea. <laughs> oh, well. Mine's Mr. Kipling's Cherry Bakewells. That's, that's me. That's Mate, the they're old six, school. Do you know, they're that's the only school. thing I don't like. What? My sister's was my fa their favourite cake growing up. Yeah. And I hated it. I was an apple pie guy. Okay. I loved an apple pie, Mr. Kipling. Welcome to Bake Off. We're, um... <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's talk about your childhood, Craig. Um, how old were you in your box, first off? Um, originally, I went to the gyms at like 13. Okay. And I used to uh, just go for fun, really. I just liked the sparring aspect. Um, so I used to just do that for a year or so. I started, of, I went over to Croydon and then I was in uh, South Northern Victory. I was there maybe to about a year and a half. Then I came out of boxing, just being a normal teenager, doing what I was doing. And then at 17, my cousin used to box for the Lynn. So he said, oh, why don't you come up there and start doing some sparring with us? They was the seniors. So I used to go over there. I used to love having a good tear up with the senior boys. Some of them used to try and take advantage. <laughs> Got my own back eventually. <laughs> um, so I was over there for a while. 
just sparring. And it was actually the coach, Terry Palmer at the time. He used to always be gassing me up and I'll be like, he'll be saying to me, I'm telling you, mate, you got what it takes to be a champion. Da, 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 da. And I'll be like, like these, I haven't really even bouted at this point. You got all these boys, elite 50 bouters. I'm thinking, why is he lying to me? Does he want my subs? Like, what is it? <laughs> but he used to be like, look, if you come, you only have to pay subs. I'll give you the new gloves in the back to spar and that and the head guard. And you know, back then in the amateur yeah. gym, all the gloves stink and all that. So it was like privileges back then. And the gym was in Peckham and he used to offer to drop me home and stuff afterwards. So I'd be like, I don't know why this guy believes in me. I don't know what he can see, but he sees something and I kind of kept going because I didn't want to let him down. Eventually he had left. Someone else had took over another head coach, but I was only going for his sake because I didn't want to let him down. So when he left, I was like, oh great, I'm out. I left boxing. Um, eventually I got to 2021, 20, and I bumped into him and he opened his own academy. So you, what age did you stop? You left boxing at what age? Uh, probably about 18 and a half. Like, okay, like so maybe half. three, four years later. Yeah, three, four years later, um, I bumped into him in the street. He's like, look, I've opened my own academy now, Palmer's Academy, um, come down. And at the time I was a bit straying where I was in life at the time, straying a little bit. And I was like, do you know what? I could do with a focus again. I'm gonna go back because I enjoy boxing. So I've gone back, I'm enjoying it. At the time, then I was trying to go to university. Um, I thought, let me try to go to university. Study what? Um, accounting and finance. Cause my mom was an accountant. So I kind of was like, well, she does accounting. I like accounting, I like numbers. I'm good with numbers. I was always a maths guy rather than an English guy. Cause I like factual things with maths is facts. Mm -hmm. The answer is the answer. With English is opinionated. Mm -hmm. I was like, right, accounting, that's my thing. Um, and then I registered to go university part-time. As I got there, I saw someone I knew from the area. They was full-time. We looked over our schedules. They had only one extra lesson a week. So I was like, well, I might as well do full-time because it's only one extra lesson. And so the degree will be obviously a short period of time. Um, the woman at the time said, look, if you're writing your modules and you want to change, hand it over to the business block. Okay, done that. Was gone a couple of weeks in now, never heard anything back. Well, I don't want to be getting extra lessons and I don't need to. So I went to the business block. They lost my registration. They lost my thing. Oh. They told me I got to re-enroll over January <clears> or next year. So I'm like, why is this happening? Like, I'm trying to do something good, make a change. And this has happened. So I left and I thought, you know what? I don't want to be doing nothing for a year. Let me go back to boxing. So I went back to boxing to pass time for the year. Really enjoying it. Someone said to me, look, I've never seen you actually be passionate or enjoy something like you do with that. You don't enjoy education. And when I think about it, through college and that, I always had a helper, half day of my work for me, <laughs> my mm. coursework. So I was like, yeah, I ain't really enjoyed education like that. I have more, always loved sports and I've loved boxing. So one day I just said to my mom, listen, mom, I'm gonna keep pushing on this boxing thing. She was just like, what are you talking about? Don't be silly, like go to, you know, I said, no, 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 I wanna do this boxing. She goes, all right, so if you used to go to university three, four years, you'd do that, then you'd leave, you get a job, you get paid. What's your plan with boxing? I said, look, mom, I'm gonna do this, do this championships. I'm gonna do the box cup. Three, four years, I'm gonna try and get signed. She said, three years, I said, I'm gonna try. She goes, okay, she wrote it all down on the piece of paper. Oh. She said, all right, we'll see. So she said, but I'll make you a deal. You got your first fight coming up? I said, yeah, she goes, you lose that, you call it a day. You win, then you can do that, but think about education as well. I said, no problem. So I remember I had my first fight, um, Levesley Hall, Sydenham, and There's I was- a lot more riding on it than just a win. Though, yeah, a lot more riding, it's my whole, whole new career I'm yeah, trying to do here. Yeah. Throw a little bit of pressure into your first So yeah, there was pressure now. on it. And I remember coming out, everyone from the area was there, etc. And I boxed great. I boxed great, got the win. And then I remember two weeks later, it's the first time I saw myself in the newspaper, South London Press, Richard takes the biscuit of the show. Wow. So I was like, wow, my cousin rung me actually, I was in the gym, he told me about it. I said, no, nah, it can't be me. Like in the newspaper, it was just like first bout, it wasn't even a championship. So I'm telling you in the paper, South London Press, I just saw it. Ran to the shop, saw it, bought every copy. <laughs> Still got a paper to this day <laughs> at my awesome. mum's. So from there, um, my mum actually come to me. She said, you know what? I'm not gonna lie, I thought boxing was for airheads. I thought it was just a bit of fighting. She said, the way I saw you box, I could see the artwork on it. I could see it's an art, not just fighting. She goes, you're actually good at it. You should push on with that. Three years to that date, cutting a long story short, I got offered a professional contract three years to the date of we had wow. a piece of paper. My mom's still got the paper up to this day. I was gonna day. say, have you got yeah, the paper? Yeah, she still got yeah. the paper. So I remember even having a fallout with my granddad at the time, my dad, cause they was like, obviously they're quite old school. They're like, be realistic, go and get a normal job. Get go get a trade, get an education get a normal job. I'm saying, no, I'm gonna get signed. I said, look, you're good at what you do, but why would someone sign you? There's millions of people who wanna be a boxer. I said, look, I believe in this, I'm going for it. And there was a bit of discrepancy in the family over it. 
And then my dad said to me, eventually I got to take my hat off to you. Like, you done what you said. And I pushed on from there and then turned professional. That's awesome. Look, before we get into your your, your, your professional career, let's rewind a bit. Because I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of times there, um, sort of going back to boxing because you were straying a little bit. Um, your childhood, what was that like? What was your sort of circle like? What was, who'd you knock around with? Did you get yourself into trouble? What was what was that like growing up? Look, I would, I would say I'd, didn't really on reflection, but if you look, I probably did. <laughs> but I think what was normality for me, obviously as I get older and I talk to people, I realize a lot of it wasn't normality. So it was the way I grew up, um, I was a little ahead of my time. So in terms of mum always wanted to be doing the best for herself. She always wanted to push on and like, she didn't want to be a stay at home mom and stuff. So she was, getting her education. She was an accountant. She worked in central London. Mum and dad had split. My dad went on his, he had his job, etc. I used to see him every other weekend and whatever. But my mum, she was doing her thing in work-wise, et cetera, which was great. And I was happy for her because I wanted her to keep um, pushing on. I didn't want us to be impacting that, which was great. But in that time, I then, from a young age, spent a lot of time on my own. So I was like leaving school and make my way home from school myself. I would be around the older boys. You're, you're the youngest of three? I was the youngest. <clears throat> Two older ones are girls? Two older. So okay. what's, the, what's the age difference? So my oldest <clears throat> was two years old. One of them was two years older than me and the other one was three years older okay. than me. So they was a, a year apart. So we'd make our home, own way home together from primary school. But as time goes on, they go secondary school. I'm then the last one. So eventually I'd leave, I'd go home. I'd be like, I don't want to be here on my own. I'd go out again. I'd go and wait for them to maybe finish secondary school. Now I'm around the older boys because they're all leaving secondary. I'm, with, I'm going to youth clubs where really I was lying about my age. I wasn't even allowed in yet. So obviously it was quite a gang affiliated area also. So all the boys was quite naughty. But to me, I'm just going to youth club to pay pool and table tennis. But the company is around you who are normality, just the boys you know, everyone's up to no good. So you might not see him for a while and you see him again, oh, how, but he just come out of prison. You don't yeah, know yeah. what he's up to, whatever, whatever. So I was all around it without even thinking about it. Just not simply because that's what I wanted to do. It was just out of boredom. I didn't want to be at home on my own. So I was out with the older boys. So from maybe 11, I was going youth clubs when you had to be 13, etc. So I ended up in a cycle where people are associating you with certain people, what you're really nothing to do with. You're just a kid going youth clubs and stuff. So you end up around in a mix up of things that you didn't plan for, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, and then you learn to just develop through life. And How was peer pressure with that, with, at that stage? Was, was yeah. there much peer pressure? Um, <clears throat> there obviously was peer pressure for people, but I was quite always a strong-minded guy. So like when I was out with all the boys, I was literally the only one who never smoked or I would do not do certain things that maybe other people might be getting up to in terms of like we could be out, I might be in year seven and the older boys would come to my school like, oh, go and punch that boy up or something. Yeah, you're one of the young boys. And I'm like, oh, they do that. Like, oh, because we told you. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. They'll be like, what do you mean we've told you? I said, yeah, I don't care what you've told that. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, why would I do that? And I was quite rebellious. They liked it because I was a little bit rebellious, but at the same time, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't conform. And that's just the sort of character I've always been. Mm. Like I've always been my own man. So it worked out well for me later in life as I was growing up. But at the same time, you couldn't pressure me to do something I didn't want to do. That's just how I was. Did you have certain friends around you that were sort of succumbed to that kind of peer pressure that you've seen sort of go down bad paths because of their environment, so to speak? And yeah, of course. Of there's, there's a lot of guys I saw around me who wasn't as strong characters and they was doing things I know really they didn't really they want didn't to do. Want I know certain people was acting a certain way or they're probably doing things in the daytime and crying at night because they feel bad about. But um, it's just it's just like, I think the era we grew up in, it was like, yeah, there was a lot of pressure and a lot of, um, there was a lot of egos, a lot of pressure and no one wanted to be taken for all. An idiot, if yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. So they, people was getting led astray left, right and center, I think. You mentioned youth clubs early and that's one thing that's gone now. Yeah. There's none around. No. How important do you think that 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 U Club, it what it was to it is to kids, especially for you growing up. 
I thought it was I thought it was very important because even as I was saying to you, the boys who was these guys on the streets who people was maybe scared of, when it came to the youth club environment, there was a bit of structure. So everyone was just like enjoying themselves. It was keeping people off of the streets. It was like... And the challenges were kept outside. Outside, yeah. So the youth club was a safe place for kids to go. Like you're going there because you're playing pool, you're playing table tennis. The boys who may be MC or rap at the time, they're in the little studios or on the decks or enjoying themselves, writing bars to come to the studio to, you know, go and perform what they've done that week. So it's just like a safe place, people to enjoy themselves without violence mm. and stuff and congregate in the area. Like everyone from that area goes to that youth club. So then you kind of get to know each other in a safer environment and you know that there's some- I, I, I'm not sure. So, so youth clubs just don't exist now or, yeah. or is it down to thought? I, I genuinely <clears throat> can't think of in my area, a youth club, anything like that. No, I can't. I spoke it, to it, someone who used to be running the youth club and they spoke about like a lot of the funding and stuff stopped and mm. things like that and people didn't want to obviously financially back it themselves and I think because of that because you've, you've got to staff it you've got to get the building you've got to heat it you've got to maintain it you've got to and there's legislation as well yeah and I think because of that now kids who might be looking forward to youth club Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday now when they're out with their friends they're just going to be on the street yeah. they're not got nowhere to go and this is where problems start happening. I could have made that could make an actual a, a lot of difference as well to, to what's happening today, especially in regards to to, to this charity that we're involved in. Um, um, mm. To me, I think uh, that that community feeling that <coughs> it's a must because there's certain kids that have direction mm -hmm. or might have something about them. Because I'm quite sure some of the boys that have, that you grew up with look at you now and think, "Wow, Craig, you're well, man." Yeah. They do. They say, wow, to see you from there to there. Yeah. Like you show you can make the difference. You've shown you can make a transition. And for me, that's why like, as I grew up and even getting that mindset, there was times where like older youth workers who was coming from the same place as us, they spoke and showed me a transition. Or like I went to at college, there was a guy that who basically came from a similar background. He was now a business teacher and he showed me, listen, the system can set you up to fail. When you're acting up with that teacher or this person, they want you to act up because at the end of the day, you thinking you're being rude, getting one up on them, you're kicked out. They still got a job. So when you can talk to people who can guide you in a better way, um, it can make a massive impact. Why I say youth clubs and that uh, thing. And that's why for me now, that's why I love to do charity work and talk, going to schools and talking to kids because I don't think some of these kids are necessarily bad kids. They're misguided. And with the peer pressure and the misguidance can now lead them astray. And before you know it, they've made an error, done something silly, could end up in prison or something. And the time they've realized everything is too late, they started life on the back foot. Would you agree when you say, because I think just to touch on there or add to that point, I think the biggest misconception in life is that there are bad kids. Because yeah. the fact is, whatever you're doing, whatever path you've gone down, however bad you're seen, there's something that's made you that way. You haven't just been born and decided, oh, I'm going to go and be an evil bastard. No. It doesn't work like that, no. does it? So kids are always a product of their environment. And like you're saying, and like we keep hearing as a common theme in this, like if you lack direction or guidance or at least opportunities or things like that, and, and even something like drive, because some people have the drive to go and find that themselves. But if you're lacking drive, usually it can be the way you're raised or, or something that's happened that's made you like that. So... Like when you say these, some of these kids aren't bad kids, and and where you said that some kids are doing things I go home and cry about at night. Yeah. The reality is they're just kids. They're just kids. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They're just kids, and whatever's happened to them, whatever they're doing, there's a reason for it all. And and I think that's where the sort of you need to get things at the source there, and sort of give these kids something to focus on. And this is the common theme. Right? And I do think that that some kids are just not good in school. Yeah, that school authority. There's so much focus on school, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. school is the most important thing yeah. in the world. Is it? Yeah, like yeah. it. I, I, listen, the, the one thing I drawn from was the good thing out of school was one, I learned to read, sort of, <laughs> sort of, yeah. and a few mates. Yeah. I can't remember, and that's, this is not running down schools, but I can't remember where where anything else in school has actually helped me in adult life. Yeah, well, my yeah. education really started. Once I'd finished school with my, my association with Brendan England, 
my mentor. That that's yeah. where my education started. So yeah. some kids are good and they accelerate in school. Yeah. You clubs and places like that are where they meet other mentors, people that they recognize themselves in. Yeah. That's where the real education starts, where they can put someone on a path. Why don't you be an accountant? Why don't you be and just 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 say it in a different language? Mm. There's there's academically um education, mm. academic academically in life. And I think they're two different things. And I think they're very important. Life skills are very important. Understanding is very important. As you say, go and see people like Brendan Ingle and stuff. That's where you learn real life skills. With school, the reason why like, I'll say to kids nowadays, yeah, stay in school, stay focused because of, it might not necessarily teach you what you need to learn in life. Apart from it, it'll teach you structure, learning to listen, structure and been having discipline because yeah. having to be on time going to your lessons ticking the register of doing your homework etc it teaches you some sort of structure and structure in life in anything you're doing is very important mm -hmm. and having discipline in anything and i think some people who can't find that in boxing like ourselves we might i mean in schools we might find that in boxing mm. everyone's got a different passion where you can learn Right guys, another massive shout out to one of our sponsors. Now I know if you're a boxing fan, you have definitely seen Wow Hydrate knocking around. These guys do an incredible range of health drinks uh, to prop up your sporting ventures. You have the electrolyte mix in multiple different flavors to help with rehydration and also your protein mix, which contains collagen, which will help for recovery. Now listen, if the likes of Tyson Fury is drinking these things then it must be a pretty good drink but don't take it from tyson take it from me go down into the description click wellhydrate.com and check them out and buy some for yourself keep going with that training with well hydrate and thanks so much to well hydrate for sponsoring this podcast what's refreshing about you is the fact that especially to say you're back you're, you're a boxer and uh, what's refreshing is it, it lets people see, you know what, you're not, you don't have to be a numbskull to want to fight. You actually, that's the worst situation to be in. Yeah. To say you had options and, and you had uh, realistic ambitions to, 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 to be an accountant, to do something, as I say, is, 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 is that was correct. You chose to box. You still yeah. are articulate. You still have that, that way of actually articulating what you want to do or what you intend on doing and so that that way this is a choice yes yeah, a choice it wasn't a forced thing your your no. household sounds like you're a little craig at home yeah your big yeah. assistant probably bullied you <laughs> yeah. or do, do whatever all the time so, so it's not that life was hard but you no. made a choice yeah so to me it's a kind of a good advert for for for, for boxing yeah uh, but it's also a good a, a good bit of motivation for kids that just think oh i might be I might have grown up in this area, but it don't mean I'm bad. No. Um, the thing is, you get loads of you get loads of paths, and that's why I had all the options of paths. I could have gone down that route, stayed down that route, gone the education route, gone the sporting route, and you got to reflect and you got to really think, what's what what do I want to do here? Mm. And for me, you can see that route is not for me. That route's not for me. This route will lead to something, and it's just about being aware and smart enough to understand because I'm the sort of person I can learn from someone else's mistakes. I don't, it doesn't happen, have to happen to me, for me to learn. I'll be hanging out with that friend. We're doing the same thing. He goes to prison. Okay, so if I go and do that, I could go to prison. I, I get the, I get, I get the sense that you are probably um, amongst your friends or in the gym. I haven't been in the gym. I don't know how it works, but I bet the action, the, the, the laughs, the jokes, the conversations are actually at the center of a lot of it. Yeah, that's what I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the wind up. <laughs> so, so, yeah. and I actually get that because again, what boxing creates, it creates that family environment, that, that, yeah. that social environment where you feel comfortable and part of something, something yeah. that is positive. Yeah. Um, and so I, I that's why I'm slightly a gym rat as well because for me I don't drink I don't enjoy going out partying or raving because of where I don't drink and I'll go to a rave in my head I'm thinking about a combination or something in my head I'm thinking oh, if I <laughs> shadow boxing like that, the three kids some girl comes up and says yeah. like, oh. <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry I thought you were yeah. so for me like when I'm out of camp I get a bit lost mentally. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm bored. What should I do? So I start watching boxing. I start watching boxing. I'm like, I go shopping or something. I'm like, yeah, it's good, but I'm not really enjoying myself. My, my first drink was when I was when I retired and yeah. we went out from boxing. Yeah, so we went out yeah. and um, and so I thought, right, this is it. And I can. I, I thought I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna do it now. So I thought I'd have a um, 
uh, a martini. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they said, they said, no, they said, what do you want to drink? I'm thinking, I don't like the smell of beer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the smell of beer. I'm thinking, think of a drink. And so I went, I'll have a martini. It tasted nasty. And and uh, I had to uh, change it to red wine. I got to about, I think we went out at half past seven. Yeah. By nine o'clock, I was ringing my wife to come pick me up. I was absolutely gone. Finished. No, that was my night done. And you just actually feel, because yeah. when you get that freedom, yeah. When no, you do don't do have now? to, what do I do now? You're like yeah. a school leaver yeah. at an early age. And that's yeah. changed now. I know what drink is. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, uh, it's, it's... You think about doing things you can't do. Yes, yeah. But you then think, you suffer the responsibilities of an adult when you mess up. Yeah. Whereas when you've boxed all the time and you're in that bubble, mm-hmm. you, you can, you can kind of get away with it because this is what I do. Yeah. This is my focus. This is my stability. Yeah. But, but you see a lot... Probably not just boxing, but you see a lot of people falling, crashing by the wayside because all of a sudden, when they've not got to stay in at a certain time or eat yeah. certain thing, yeah, they lose their mind because, mm-hmm. because you need structure. Yeah, you need structure. And that's why most sportsmen you'll hear within five years after their career is over, drink, uh, drugs, common. whatever. Yeah. Lost. You um, so you seem like somebody from a young age that kind of had your head screwed on. Um, so in terms of your structure and your discipline and your path, you kind of had had a handle on that to some extent yourself, right? Yeah. From what I hear, um, what were you like? What was your emotional disposition? Were you were you ever an angry kid? Did you ever get into fights? Did you enjoy that? Were you were you reactive? Like, what were you like? Were you placid as a youngster? Like, I think like myself, I've always been quite the same as I am now. I just laid laugh back. a lot, laid back. I was always lovable rogue. Yeah, and even like it was a time where. Obviously, being out and about, being around certain people, you might get like a sense of reputation. People might say, "Oh, I've heard of him," or whatever. Then they meet you and they go, "You're." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't picture you to be like, "What do you mean? What's wrong with me?" Like, no, I heard about you, but I didn't think you was gonna uh, be. Yeah. You're proper cool and chill. Yeah. Like, what did you think I was gonna be yeah. like? Some cold so stone, like, stone cold yeah, killer. But or it's something. like yeah. I've always been myself because I'm one of the people who've always been real to myself. So like. I don't put on an act. So like people be like, oh, but you ain't talking like him or you're not acting like him because I don't want to. So it's just like, I've always kind of had my head screwed on in terms of, it's like now being a boxer, people expect you to be like big, aggressive yeah, kind yeah. of thingy. You can't be with us. Yeah. You can't but be like to me, be as you see, like I'll be in my fight weeks laughing, joking, call to anyone. Like I don't pretend to have this angry demeanor. So I think like, Growing up, exactly how I am now is how I was growing up. Mm. So, yeah, I did like to have a few fights, um, like most boys. Actually, probably a bit more than most boys. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. I liked, I, I don't know, with the fighting aspect, it's just like, I've always had this thrill of danger, I think. And I feel like the bigger the challenge, the more excited I would be. Yeah, but I, I sense that you probably had that because you knew you had a, like a stable home to go back to. Yeah, your sisters were there, your mum was there. Yeah, yeah. you had a, a family the structure. Danger to you was different. Yeah, yeah. So right. yeah, so then you could always run home. Yeah. So that, but that was probably why you'd always be a bit of a chancer, and maybe you would have spoiled one out of your family. Yeah, I was. I was, <laughs> so. I was always looked after in terms of even when I used to hang out in the area. So my sisters, you can see what they like at the fights. Very loud thingy. They was like yeah. that growing up. So they had a reputation of like, okay, these girls are not idiots people took a liking to me, my sisters. So we used to have a lot of the older boys, they would look out for me. Then I have older cousins, boy cousins. So they're like, we look out for him, he's the young one. So I always had a lot of people, even in the area, very raw, respected people always around me. So when it really ever went left, I would always have people to always fall back on. But at the same time, I always, I didn't mind like, for example, if I was walking down the street, yeah, and I was with four of my friends and we got an argument with one boy and everyone wanted to beat him up, I wouldn't necessarily want to be involved with that. Mm-hmm. But if I was with two of my friends and 10 boys come, I think, oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how we're going to handle this. This would excite me. Yeah. And I think it probably trickles into my boxing. If you look at the fights I take you on. You take, I was going to yeah. say. And this is what I was like as a kid. Like the bigger the challenge, the more excited I get. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they offer me an opponent. I think I know I'll beat him. Um, I can't get excited for it. And I say to Pete, 
I don't think I'll get up for him. He'll be like, yeah, but a good win. No, but I don't know. I, I think I'm gonna box bad because this, this, this doesn't. And if you look at my career, where people will say sometimes he has flat performances. If you look at my flat performances, it's all yeah. the fights I meant to win easy yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. because it just doesn't do anything. And that's why I perform when you give me the bigger challenges because yeah. I'm excited. But what's the, what yeah. a fight, what a fight, man. Jesus, Bill or the Bill fight. Fight, These mate. are the guys that, remember, three years amateur, 20 fights, 22 fights. You're looking at the Dimitri Bill, 285 you, fights. You, you do understand. So so because of Boatsy, the, the, the people, because of those fights, you do understand that's part of your journey. Yeah. So your journey is nowhere near done yet. Nowhere near. Because mm. I boxed for a world title twice before I actually won a world uh, title. Yeah. So most people that have given up after the first time I've drew, yeah. second time they, they lost, they think they'd walk away. But once I'd won it, I'd look back and think, that was the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. So those losses that you incurred, yeah. that career path you've incurred, it's part of your character building. It's part of your experience. But I feel like that's why a lot of fighters coming through now, they'll look at fighters like yourself. Your journey probably inspires a lot of mm. fighters because a lot of fighters now, they'll look at someone like Floyd Mayweather right, and they yeah, go, yeah. I take my first loss, it's all over. Because yeah. he finished unbeaten. Fighters like you, you reigned for years and years world champion. You had hiccups on the way. You had learning fights on the way. You come back, you show persistence, you become world champion and you dominate. So it showed all them losses wasn't like losses. They was building lessons. you the lessons, lessons, yeah. lessons to build you, to get you prepared to yeah. be the ultimate you eventually. And when you got there, you dominate for ages. And I think this is what I'm, everyone has a different journey for a reason. For me, I'm, as I say, I've always been quite strong-minded. I'm not looking at it like, oh, I took a loss. This is the end for me. I'm thinking, right, <laughs> I need to go back to the gym. I need to improve. This ain't happened again. I've, yeah. Twice now, I need to learn. And I think that's where I'm at. So you have that mental strength, that character yeah. to not, obviously we're all going to be a little down when we've lost a fight, mm. but but to think, right then, I'll fix that. That yeah. won't happen again. Instead yeah. of thinking, oh, I'm done, I'm out of this. No. I'm no good. I'm just thinking, <laughs> right, how do I get better again to make sure this done? Where did I go wrong? Yeah. Do you know what? That's like, and it does shine through when you speak about your sort of mentality around things. That's the old school mentality, isn't it? Because it's definitely something, like you mentioned Floyd Mayweather, there's something about boxing now that came off the back of Floyd that made everybody scared of a loss. And then you've got people like Joshua that got put on such a pedestal and then when he took a loss, you see the reaction from fans to people taking losses nowadays. It's almost been groomed by the Mayweather era yeah. and it's changed everything. But someone like you, and again, one of my favourite fighters is Dillian White for this reason, you shine through with the ch challenges you take constantly. Yeah. A loss ain't going to matter when you got your mentality because you can see that you don't give a shit and you'll mm. fight anyone, and especially when you're giving them fucking great fights. And it's yeah. just, I hope that people like yourself and like Dillian, and I can see a small shift in it. We're going a little bit back to that old school mentality, and like mm -hmm. you were the champion of that sort of, you know, saying that in that area, you're you're the you're the biggest example as well. Like like Craig has said about coming through losses, and they meant fuck all back then. And you've proved that you can go and reign, but like I'm glad that it's shifting. I really hope it is shifting. And the, someone like yourself's a perfect example. The, like yeah, you're the, in great fights, and people are going to pay good money to watch you all the time. And you know you're yeah. going to come back. You're going to get better, and you're going to win it eventually. Yeah. Like, you're going to get there. Yeah. And I wish more people had the that depth of, of, of the sport itself is is the true tr the true skill of the sport itself is slightly is in fear of getting lost so at the moment you're getting a lot of youtubers coming in and they're making the headlines getting paid a lot of money getting a lot of tension but in in reality the skill factor is very shallow um and and so it's about the sell it's about mm. the quick sell so these youtubers are doing it they're getting the, more attention than established fighters that have been mm. doing it all their life yeah. but uh, eventually it's going to get to a stage where where fans will think there's no depth there. This kid yeah. can't fight. This kid is, is is only so good, but they're getting the, the attention of a world champion. Yeah. And that's where the cream rises to the top. Yeah. Mm. Where true talent, but once given the opportunity, will rise. Now, how fighters of today learn from the YouTubers yeah. is to make themselves a saleable commodity. Market them. Yeah, market mm. yourself. Yeah. And then, and so the true depth and skill of boxing then shines through and people think, oh my God, that guy's an amazing fighter. Yeah. Not, oh my God, that guy's a great gamer. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, yeah. that, so, so there's lessons to be learned going yeah. through and you, you, you'll teach many lessons coming through yourself with your yeah. journey. When you get to your, that, that hurdle, you'll say, look, I lost here, lost there, I lost there. And kids will think, you know what? I actually get it. Yeah. I don't need an unbeaten record. No. And I just think it's about, as long as you're showing 
your improvements, your mentality, mm-hmm. your hard work. Because the game that it's going to be a men- it's going to mentally challenge you. Because as you know more than anyone, you're going to get fans one day they hate you, <laughs> next day they love you, yeah. next day they hate you again. And if you feed into that and you're not mentally strong, that can disrupt your journey. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you've got to understand what your journey is, and you've got to understand what you're aiming to do. And if you take knocks, you've got to keep getting back on, and you've got to keep trying to push forward. And I've kind of always thought that and I always kind of felt like the journey I'm going to take I've always had to keep trying to prove myself and as I say you look over the record from early I remember coming on the Sky Show yeah. my sixth fight and I'm boxing a guy 12 and 0 six knockouts and these times I've only done one six rounder he's just come off a good win 10 rounder challenge everyone was saying to me look oh, you could take your first loss here but don't worry about it just after that just, I thought first loss so everyone's ripping me off already yeah. <laughs> And I went on, obviously won my first title. And then when I boxed Jake Ball, it's funny enough, I looked back at a poster that popped up on my Instagram six years to the date. And there was all Jake Ball, Reese There's all these guys yeah. on the poster. And my name was in the corner, where at the bottom, where I wasn't even part of the picture. These guys was the guys pushed on to do great things. A couple of years down the line, I've had to fight. One of the poster boys, which yet again in the bookies, underdog again, everyone ripped me off. I went out there, stopped him three rounds in because I believed in what I was doing. And everyone around me, you sure you want to take this fight? Yeah, I'll do. I believe what I'm going to do. If you look at your mentality now yeah. and then look at that mentality you told us about when you was a young boy at the beginning of this, yeah, you see how that mentality has matured and, and now benefiting you as an adult. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose youngsters coming through, the mentality they adopt now is a transferable skill where if it's negative it will probably be negative when you get older if yeah. it's positive and strong and 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 an individual yeah that again will, will, will be payoff when you when you get older yeah older and this is the sort of things when i was younger my mentality of these sort of things like everyone's smoking and i don't want to smoke and all these sort of things and having that strong mind i never looked at it like an asset or a bl- i didn't even know what i was doing like i didn't think I'm not conforming. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. You just followed your goal. Just follow, mm. You didn't understand your own assets. And now as an adult, on reflection, as you're saying it, yeah, you're right. Them and I, and I bet your boys, or some of the boys that were doing certain things, yeah. are probably doing the same thing now. Yeah. <laughs> or they're dead or in prison. Yeah, 100%. And, and, 100%. And, and, and that's... that's, that's um, when, when kids are leaving school or doing whatever they think, that's my sp- friend, that's my friend for life. In five years' time, you're not even going to see that person. You look- so, so, so you've got to make sure when you're influenced. Yeah, you're influenced, right. Because the push. mistakes you make, sometimes <laughs> you don't have time to rectify them. Mm. Like I know boys who, they were half decent guys and they had actual bigger futures than I did at the time. They had more like going for them than I did when we was younger. And some of them are sitting down 27 years, 22 years, 18 years, mm. 19 years. And you're like, you don't have a chance now to rectify that. When you've come out of 22 years because of a mistake or an error you made, that's you done now. So all them aspirations and a lot of people, and I realized I felt a bit of hostility in a few of my friends. Um, obviously when boxing started going well it's probably envy yeah, yeah towards you towards me yeah. but that's envy the only crime you can't you can't get you, yeah you but when we sat down in the end they actually people have actually approached me said do you know what i have to ring you i said what's going on i've been feeling aware about you yeah. i said why what's going on nothing to do with you it was myself mm-hmm. we was growing up i had a lot gonna go in for me you didn't look like you had as much gonna go for you as i did mm-hmm. and i've amounted to nothing and you started doing the boxing and i felt within myself your success is a reflection of how I kind of felt that I failed in certain departments and I kind of just felt bitter towards you in that aspect. And I said, but why? It's like nothing to do with you. It's just me. Like it was just like a reflection of I could have done better. I made the wrong choices and you ended up making the right choices. And I think that's very important to like understand your choices you make in life really determines your life. And for me, I made luckily all the better choices uh, than some of my friends. They probably weren't popular at the time, your choices. No, it wasn't. Yeah, you the Yeah, and, and yeah. This, this this will happen now, that you'll probably be making choices now. Yeah. Youngsters will probably make young, youngsters. Uh, um, they'll make choices now that are not popular. No. But in time to come, yeah. they will be respected. The best uh, way you look at it, it's like if you was young, you're 15, 16, 
even 14. Say like you had the guy who's a bad boy in the era. He beats everybody up. He gets all the women. He does all the bad stuff. The women love him. Best clothes. Best clothes, clothes. best things. All they're doing that. <laughs> People love him. But if this guy continues this, as he gets to 26, for example, the girls and that are like, I need a man who's making money, some stability, a man I can have a family with. He's no good. So all what he's built over the years amounted to nothing. Short now the guy in the background who wasn't the bad boy and wasn't interested in, and he was just going through his work, doing his education. We come through, baby. <laughs> that's the one the women love. So it's, it's the thing what people have a mentality. The mentality people have is all this short-term success has no longevity. So just make the right decisions. Build, be happy to build for a long-term future. You know, build your foundations properly and grow. Don't start trying to do the thing for a bit of quick cashier, bit of this, bit of that, because it, there's no longevity in it. Yeah, and even like you say, even if that is not a popular choice then, because I think that's the difficult thing, because in these echo chambers of this, this, this one behavior is looked at as cool, and you've got loads of friends, you're in that position, you think if I make the decision, I'm gonna lose my friends. That's a hard fucking decision to make, yeah. really, isn't it? Thinking I might actually lose my friends with that. So, but I guess like you're saying that like it may not be popular, it may not feel like it's the right thing for you to do now, but that decision probably is the right one because it's the hardest one well, to do. At the time, it's not. Yeah, but yeah. long term, exactly. same people -term. who look at you in a certain way will respect you more exactly. in the future. Yeah. So, as I said, it's all longevity. Right now, why is he doing that? Eventually, now, for example, myself. When I made the right choices, boxing now, the same people might look to me like, oh, why is he gonna do that? Now they're like, I'm coming to fight, I've got support. Mm -hmm. yeah, what yeah. you're doing, that's big. They'll understand down the road. What's, what's that feeling like for you now to have, have these guys come watch you and like sort of build your fan base, come from where you come from? And It's nice because I was having this conversation the other day, my dad come and saw me, we were sitting there and he's like, you know what? He's like, I remember you up to certain things when you was young and he's like, most people ain't here to tell that story yeah. of coming from there. He said, you know what? You got to take your hat off to yourself. He said, to see you now, you're on TV, you're doing all of this and that. I got, I got respect. And I said, you know, it's such a nice feeling because I feel like all my past is, it gives me a story and gives me relatable um, situations. The kids who are coming from there to say, look, I was there. Look where I'm, there's a way out. You can that, make that's why choice. it's important they see somebody like you mm -hmm. somebody from their area that they know or yeah. their parents know or yeah. their bigger brother or sister knows yeah. to think well he's done it yeah and i'm cleverer than he is yeah i've got more chance than he i've got a better start than he is so yeah. why should happen to me yeah and as i said look at me i decided to make the conscious decision to go into this boxing full time say that 21 i start had my first proper amateur fight to start now you're talking to a 13 year old kid or 14 year old kid he's got seven years over you to start that success yeah. story. Mm -hmm. So I started late and I could do it at that age. Imagine you at 14, imagine you at 13. You've got way more time. So you're gonna be a lot bigger than I am in my career. You've got more time. So you just, it's just people just need some vision, some hope to say, look, yeah, look at someone successful when they're like, for example, if you was like coming from my area and you looked at, for instance, like Eddie Hearn, for example, you're like, he's so successful, but he's in a position that I'm not in. So how could I transfer this to there? I can't do it. It's not possible. No relatability. No relatability. Then you look at me, where's he coming from? Hold on, he started the same as mine. How did he go from there to there? Oh, he stayed disciplined and went training. You know what? I can do it. And that was the difference for me when I was talking to youth workers, etc., because they was coming from where I was coming from. So. There's a difference when someone's talking to you about sympathy and empathy. When someone can relate to you and they've been where you've been, you're more likely to listen. I like that. I like that. Beautiful. So, I mean, we talked earlier, you said um, youth club's massively important. I know they're sort of lacking these days. Kids are heads buried in their phones, common thing. Staying at home, barely going outside and socialising. Um, would you say, would you recommend from your experience that some of these kids on the street go and give boxing a go, walk into a boxing gym. Do you find some of the lessons you learned through boxing, are, you know, have helped you and sort of can translate to your out, out, you know, life outside the gym? A million percent. I think what people think about when they look at boxing, they look at boxing as a fighting aspect. They think, yes. if I'm a fighter, do I want to be a fighter? Where am I going to learn? I'm going to learn to fight in boxing. But they don't understand. That's the smallest part you're learning. Mm. 
the biggest part you learn is discipline, self-control, structure. You're learning so much lessons, what you'll take through into life lessons. As everyone knows, Johnny obviously knows more than anyone else. When you're boxing, the sacrifices you got to make, the discipline you got to have is probably more than a lot of other jobs. Mm. So if you could put yourself in a position to be able to carry boxing through and for instance if you wasn't good enough you didn't make it the skills you develop in there mm -hmm. you take to any other job you're going to excel in your job mm -hmm. you're going to you're going to go above and beyond mm -hmm. you know there are certain jobs where people you'll go to work and like because you look at your position you're like where can i elevate here you might just be i don't know the pa secretary or something so you think i'll just do what i need to do tick the register go home you come in and you're like you could be the t-boy secretary and you're just so disciplined and passionate about what you're doing you want to excel before you know it your boss is recognizing the hard work hard graft he's like you Character. know what this person does above and beyond i'm gonna i'm gonna give push him, him on give, give him a chance you look at someone like frank smith i think he was a secretary mm -hmm. or something yeah runner yeah ceo why because eddie senior said you know what this guy goes above and beyond and above the job title yeah. I've given him yeah. for his hard work towards the company, you deserve more. And it's just like, whatever you put in, you're going to get out in life. And I think them sort of principles you learn in boxing as in what you put in, you get out, can translate into the jobs. A transferable skill. That's yeah. the thing as well. Like you said in a business environment, I've always thought this, learning to control nerves and stuff is massive. Everyone gets nervous every moment of their life. They really do. And it can be day to day anxiety all of these different things when you learn to control your nerves and your anxiety when someone's about to punch you in the face and you can <laughs> control that there then when you're about to walk into a boardroom and do a pitch meeting yeah. you can also control it there yeah it's something that's so unnatural of a situation to end up in when you're about to have an organized fight which is <laughs> technically what it is if you can control your emotion your anxiety then that is a massive skill you learn from mm -hmm. this sport and you can use that anywhere in the day. And I've only boxed, you know, I've boxed, I've got my amateur card, never had a fight, boxed for, for ages. And that was the biggest thing for me, never boxed like in competition or anything. So it, you don't have to go through and be a pro. Like you'll get so much out of this sport. And what it taught me was to not be fearful and anxious in situations where I always used to be. Yeah. Because if you can handle it there, yeah. when it's you and them and like, you know, and you, again, you get humbled on that. But if you can handle all of those things, then you can, you'll realize how much easier you handle yeah. them everywhere else. Because you have so a lot another. of yeah. weight on your shoulders yeah. carrying on your own in yeah. boxing. So that's why when you get put in other situations, which is a lot of pressure, um, all eyes on you, demanding yeah. situations, you're not overwhelmed. You don't mm. swallow it. You just go, you know what, what have I got to deal with? Chest up, let's get this done. Yeah. Hello everyone. So for those of you that may have noticed how good myself and Johnny have been looking throughout this podcast, that's because we are donning real. Now they produce high performance sportswear inspired by boxers. Boxing is as much mental as it is physical and real believe that it's a combination of physical and mental strength. That is where your performance potential lies. Unify body and mind to realize the power of one. Real fights for enhanced mental well-being. So whether you're a seasoned boxer or new to the sport, Real will empower you to test your limits. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Real Power of One, and you can find their store and their newsletter over on realpowerofone.com. And take it from me, this genuinely is some of the most comfortable and high-quality sportswear that I have ever worn. So it's realpowerofone.com for sportswear inspired by boxers. And thank you so much to Real for sponsoring this podcast. What would you change if you spoke to a young version of you, a 15-year-old version of you? Would you change anything? If you had to give advice to a 15-year-old version of you, what, what would you change? Or would you change anything? I would change of myself. Um, I lacked, the only part I'd say I lacked in the discipline in when I was young was getting up on time, going to school to do my homework, the structure. Um, I felt like I took a little bit of advantage, mum being at work and things like that. Favourite Rolled up kid. on a third class oh, or something. I used to come in at lunchtime every day. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I used to come in at lunchtime. Um, Eat and leave. That, that was two lessons in, that was me, home. Like, that was where I would say um, I would have had more structure in terms of 
as a kid i would have yeah i think one thing i learned in school and um i don't need to even get religious in it but like obviously there's, they always say you reap what you sow mm. um i remember it was a stage i was going to church and i wanted to pass some exam and i sat there every day before i went to bed i just prayed i never done the work but i prayed so god's got me <laughs> he means God's going to do it. Come down and fill it out for you. God's doing it. I'll just do yeah. it. I opened the paper and I was like, what? God, I was praying. <laughs> what? The result was not what I asked for. I realized at that moment, that's my first lesson in. You get in what you put, you get out what you put in. Yeah. I wasn't putting the work in. I was just fingers crossed. And that's when I learned. Isn't it funny how your work ethic as a youngster wasn't there but your work ethic as a fighter mm -hmm. is is above and beyond but then when my work ethic when it came to sports yeah on my football team i would put work in it got to the point where sometimes i looked like i was a bad sportsman because i was so passionate if i was playing on the team no one would pass me the ball no one weren't passionate i walk off the pitch no serious <laughs> i walk off the pitch I would play. My, my cousin would tell you we'd play family games Literally, just uncles and dads. If I'm not getting the ball and I'm seeing you're not in this, I'm walking off. <laughs> My mum said she's never seen someone so passionate into winning. I was like, from a kid, I'll be playing a video game. My mum would hear me crying and she'll go, why are you not doing to him? Going to my dad, stop troubling him. I'm not doing anything, it's him. He's Did you touch him? No, I didn't touch him. He wouldn't be crying like that if not. She said one day she had to come and creep through the thing and watch through the door. And she saw, well, as soon as I lost, I'm throwing the game, I'm going mad. And she's like, what's wrong? Oh my God, I would, I would have had so much fun winding <laughs> well, I, him up. No, but then I was the wind up when I was winning, though, but I was so determined on them games, I'll be smashing them. So I'm so used to winning. Don't let me win. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to handle it. And then obviously over time, and that's why I say, I don't really feel to change anything in my life because of every lesson I had in life shaped me for the future. Yeah. I was on a football team one time and I'm not going to blow my own trumpet. I thought I was the best player. I think I, up to now, I was a top goal scorer. I was, I, when I was on that pitch, I was feeling myself. I thought I was the man. Yeah. And, but the guy kept subbing me. 70 minutes in, everyone's like, why are you subbing him? He's our top goal scorer in that. They'd be like, no, no, he needs to come off someone else. And I was like, this don't make sense. Maybe I think I'm better than I am. And one day he pulled me on the sideline and he said, you know, I sub you, don't you? I said, no. Nah. He said, you are good, but you know you're good. And you've got that attitude. <laughs> he said, I have to humble you. Looking he said, your peg. attitude <laughs> is why I take you off. Because you feel like you've, you've got that, you, you're not humble with it. You're, you're, you've got that sense of arrogance in your sporting. So uh, I take you off all the time. So you don't, to suppress you a little bit, to let you know that I will change you. Like, don't feel yourself like that. And I said, so I've been getting subbed simply because of my attitude. And that was a lesson to me that it wasn't just about my performances, it was my attitude of how yeah, I carry yeah, yeah. myself. And that was a big lesson to me at the time. I think I was 14, 15. And that's why from then I changed my mentality and got into everything from boxing, everything into just humbling yourself. So I think everything that happened to me shaped me. It's always a difficult question when someone says, would you change something about yourself? Because really what that question means is, do you like who you are now? Isn't it like when you even you'd give yourself advice as a kid, sorry. Um, and like you said, all of those little steps were necessary to make yeah. you who you are. I today. love who I have become because yeah. I knew I could have become something completely different. And I think that at the times, all the lessons that I would, the hardship I went through made me the man I am. And I think I wouldn't be me if I didn't go through a lot of that lessons. If I didn't go through the childhood, the bit out and in the streets and all of that, or going through learning, getting subbed in football, all these sort of things, education, not putting the work in and not getting the results I won and et cetera, et cetera. Even if I got into to the university, I wouldn't have boxed. So all the things I looked at as why is this happening to me made me who I am today. So I can't regret it. It's a great thing to say as well, if anybody's in that position and you feel like everything's not going your way, Maybe that means it actually is. Everything for a reason. Everything for a reason. Listen, is. God's planned you a path. So if you're pushing on something and for some reason it's not giving, sometimes it's because God's got something bigger for you. 
there's the universe shaped like that there are many different ways to learn yeah and sometimes we don't realize we're learning a lesson mm -hmm. that's why now if something bad happens to me that's a good thing everything i just laugh because i think this wasn't meant to be because something else is better or i look at it like for instance the other day i had the best camp best camp best 12 week camp oh yeah i was sparring i was i was feeling much i was like Yo, the way I'm gonna come out for this fight, <laughs> this is this is God me. You. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe fight week. I'm saying, I'm, look, I'll be honest. By the Tuesday, I was in a bad way, but I was so hopeful because my camp was so good. I was like, no, we can do this. We can do this. I'm talking to my coaches. I'm saying, listen, if I can just be like 50 percent tomorrow, by, I'm good. By Thursday, I could be 60, <laughs> which means Friday I'll be 80 wow. percent, which means on Saturday I could probably be 90 percent. That's enough for me. <laughs> just pulling numbers. So up. we're just like. Look, how you fit? Are you sixty percent yet? I'm like, I'm not gonna. I'm not sixty percent today, but I believe <laughs> I might take the forty percent increase tomorrow. So we're like, that's why I couldn't go to none of the media. I couldn't do anything because I was really just trying to get myself in a position. Really, I was in a bad way. I was just hopeful because the camp was so good. Yeah. Time the Thursday come, I was probably at best forty percent. I was getting worse every day. I was on yeah. a decline until the point. Obviously, I went to the doctors and they said, no, no, you got a viral infection. You're oh. done. And I was, no, no, I can't have a viral. Infection. I had a twelve week camp. Why? But you know what? I was disappointed, very disappointed, of course, three months of your life sacrifice for a fight you're looking forward to. And plus, you want to have that fight because you're looking on to move on to something mm -hmm. else afterwards. So it's a delay in your life and your career. But I sat in my front room and I said to myself, you know what? Everything for a reason. You wasn't meant to fight. And I bet you spent that money before you even got it. I didn't, to be fair. That's a rookie mistake by a no. lot of fighting. Right, I'm like, buy this, this. No. Oh, no, fight's gone. The one thing with me, I'm very good at saving and I'm not the really- Accounting in you. Yeah, accounting, <laughs> I'm good with numbers. I don't really, I don't live above my means. I live well within my means and I don't really, I'm not a flashy lifestyle kind of guy. So as I say, I find my happiness being in the gym. Yeah. So when I'm going out to splash money and that's not really me, I might go buy a few things, a bit of shopping here and there for a few days I'm off, but I'm back in the gym. Mm -hmm. So my investment is going to the gym. You are your investment. Money. I'm my investment. Yeah, well. So Craig, what is next for you, mate? What's your, obviously ambitions, world champion. Um, who out there would you ideally like to fight? You're in a hell of a division. Um, I guess you're gonna say everyone, aren't you? Or is nah, there someone not in mind? I what? would personally, I would like to fight Bevel. Obviously, mm, again, rematch again, hundred percent. I felt just like. What about on the domestic level? Nah, do you know what? I look at my TV and I've had about eight domestic fights, mm -hmm. and it's like there's so much it can get exciting to keep doing. Obviously, mm -hmm. me and Boatsi always would be a great fight again. I because mean, I think stylistically- For the fans and all mates, that me, was a cracker. Outside of myself, I always looked at him and I say like, I've watched him from the amateurs, annihilating people mm. from the thing. And I know he can punch, he's got a good chin, he's got heart, he's got determination, he's gritty. So as I say, I always get excited for a challenge. And mm. I know myself, I can punch, I've got a good chin, I've got a good IQ. And I think like with me and him, we'll always make a great fight. And there's always that maximum respect with him. I wouldn't want to ever fight him because of I don't like him or dislike him. With him, I've got a maximum respect for him. For domestically, he's always going to be a great yeah. fight for me. Um, but on the world scene, obviously my ambitions when I got in here is to be world champion. So Bivol is a guy where he seems like the puzzle to unsolve. And I feel like I've got the tools to unsolve that puzzle. I mm. think obviously I started a little bit late last time we fought out. But as you can see from round seven on to 12, I was pressing the action and mm -hmm. very in control of the fight. Since then, I believe I've improved as a fighter. It's been two years since then. He's obviously improved. Two years. Two years. Because it was in lockdown, wasn't yeah. it? Jesus yeah. Christ. So I think I've improved as a fighter. He's improved as a fighter. So he'll be a task. Obviously, if Pervius doesn't get beat, obviously he's fighting Yard. He's fighting. He's going to have a few fights. He's another guy. I know he's the danger man. So I would always you love believe to get he's, in with him. Do you believe he's the toughest challenge out there? Um. Punch-wise, yes. Mm. You know he can punch extremely hard. Think he beat Shard? I think, like, paper-wise, he has the... Everything's in his favour. Mm. But um, I believe that Yard has a chance to pull it off. Um, simply why? Because, I obviously, I study the champions all the time, and the one thing I've noticed about Baterviev, although he's a monster, he can punch very hard, he can be hit. So if you can punch, I think you're in with a chance. You saw as Callum Johnson dropped him. He does mm -hmm. lack a little bit of lateral movement. He is willing to take a punch to give a punch. 
uh, but he can box at the same time. So if Yard can catch him, if he underestimates Yard, comes in and he gets caught and Yard does buzz him at any time, I believe what Yard could finish the job. Mm. So it's boxing. And who do you rate? Who who do you rate the highest between Yard and Boatsy? <laughs> These are two guys I like, so I, <laughs> I can't call it. I can't call it. Um, that's a very experienced fighter. Yard can punch. Um, I just think stylistically it's just different. They're just different fighters. That's and not that's really a... an answer, that, is it? <laughs> 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 we're just gonna we're just gonna dub you <laughs> saying one of the two of them and put it on social media to cause nah, some both, shit. They're, they're, both, they're both good fighters. They're both good fighters. Like I've shared Still the ring. I've shared the ring with both of them. They bring two different styles, completely different styles. To be honest, that is it's an acceptable answer in boxing because styles make fights, and it's very yeah. very difficult to predict if someone's gonna beat somebody else, mm-hmm. um, especially at top level like them yeah, boys just are. Yeah, just to this now. What? Uh, <laughs> Favorite all-time fighter? You got one. Or Obviously, couple. funny enough, Favorite. spoke about him earlier. Grew up in the Floyd Mayweather era. Yeah. Um, he kind of inspired everyone to get back into the boxing. He made it look pretty. You know, when you think about fighting, so I mm. think about Thomas Hearns. I think about Melvin Hagler, yeah, like love Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. I go that far back. How far do you go back? Because you're obviously 20 years younger plus. I go back. I watched him. You guys. go to Floyd Mayweather? No. I go back because even before Floyd, Floyd wasn't actually my favorite fighter before Roy oh, Jones James was. Tony was. Um, I used to like Roy Jones. I liked the flashy. Obviously, I remember the Nassim days, the Lennox mm. Lewis days, the Tyson oh, days. Right. When the funniest thing is, my dad never watched football, so when I was a kid, a baby, he used to actually work for cable, and we used to be up watching the box office fights when I was oh, three years old. So the only time I'd be up late night is if boxing was on. So me and my family was bo- a boxing family in terms of no one did it, we all watched it. So I remember watching the Lewis versus Galotto days, the Tyson Bruno days, and all of that, and the Nassim days. I remember the first time we went over to America to fight Kevin Kelly, uh-huh. and oh, like this was the that era that. I was not bad. Right? No, this, <laughs> this is what I grew head. up. This that? is what I grew up watching. <laughs> These are the days of was my boxing days, the Nassim days, the Lennox Lewis days, yeah. the the Tyson, the you know what I'm saying? And obviously the there was obviously Eubanks and Ben yeah. etc. Um going through them days, box office days and stuff. So that's where I actually enjoyed boxing. And funny enough. When I was little, little, and I used to watch Lennox Lewis, I'd be like, oh, I don't even rate this guy. Like, I was more of a Tyson guy. I was a casual, mm-hmm. starting out. As I got a little bit older, seven, eight, I realized the art of what Lennox Lewis, how great he was as a fighter. And I realized this guy's actually underrated. Like, his boxing abilities, IQ, this guy knows what he's doing. And I remember when he boxed Shannon Briggs. At the time, I was actually fighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, bad mm-hmm. fight. That was one of the best yeah, fights. Yeah. I remember at one point he turned his back and ran to the corner because Shannon yeah. was pressuring mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And then he came back. I remember when he finally took the shot and he just looked at Shannon and just went, pow, dropped him. I said, nah. I think my, one of my favorites, was it uh, not um, Razor Ruddock? Was it Razor Ruddock? Razor. God, who did he fight? Who did he fight? Who did he fight? But Lennox could chop people to, 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 to bits. Yeah. With ease. He was a good fighter. And even Holyfield, (coughs) Tyson. I remember like, I remember Holyfield just had his number and I remember people like, oh, because of Tyson was over the hill by the end, he had the prison. Holyfield always had his number. Yeah. Holyfield always had his number. And you know what? I'm saying to people, why are you always so quick to say that when a fighter loses that he was finished? I said, if you look at his performance, Tyson was brilliant in that fight. He threw the combination punches. He had the head movement. He just got nullified. You couldn't bully they him. They sparred together when they were youngsters and Holyfield always had his number then and that's why uh, Holyfield knew he'd get it. The, the direction Holyfield threw his shots, Tyson ducked into him. Yeah. That was always going to happen. Remember, Tyson's used to fighting tall guys, six, yeah. six, six, seven. Your style is made for a certain body structure. Yeah. So when he's in a heavyweight, most people are that build. So you're just, you know how to duck underneath, you know how to nullify them because they're trying to work out the range. Tyson's the anomaly, isn't it, for the other person? Then like, he's now got someone around his height, yeah, just so a little it, bit taller than him, but short, stocky, yeah. That's not what he's used to. Yeah, yeah. See, we're getting, we're getting too, te- too technical now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I lose myself. That's why you can't ask me about boxing. Hey, listen, that's, that's the beauty of the sport. And I think what you said earlier about when you sort of, uh, as a casual fan, and after watching it a little while, you start to respect the sport and and your, your, your favourite fight has changed. But I think that is truly when you realise that boxing is not a fight. No, it is a art. sport and once you've understood that it's a very very fucking addictive sport isn't it it's, it's addictive but it, as I said it's got to be a balance in boxing sometimes in terms of 
for the casuals you need fighters for the casuals as well and i think like heavyweight boxing rulers. yeah, right, heavy, yeah. heavyweight boxing people want to see knockout even myself i'm not boxing i'm a casual i want to see a yeah. knockout so when you're looking at um the klitschko era mm. because we knew probably might want to see a knockout the jab and grab everyone came off boxing off, yeah. for a while when anthony joshua came back started having knockouts big when it came wild back. Up, mm. it came back yeah so and this is why you got a Appreciate the guys who come through to bring that heavyweight boxing back. Guys like AJ, Wilder, etc. Right. Well, look, Craig. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. It's been brilliant. Been a great little chat. I thought I could talk. Oh! Mate. <laughs> <laughs> I get whole families like this. My mum, my sister. <laughs> hey, listen, you're a good talker, mate. Very articulate, very and like I say, very passionate about the sport, and I loved loved your story as well. Thank you. And and again, bang on message. Exactly what we're trying to get out of this uh, this podcast. So brought a lot to the table mate well, thank, thank you, you thank you a lot for having me and on. obviously cannot wait to see you back in the ring mate I know you obviously were, were ill that. last time but now having chatted to you I can't wait to watch you back in there again do oh, you think appreciate that thank you right man right and to all of you guys at home thank you so much for listening to another podcast episode of Fighting on the Inside we'll see you next week <laughs>